Welcome to Live from HCIC 2023, a podcast series bringing you front row insights from the industry's brightest minds. In this 12-part series, we delve into the heart of the trends impacting health systems with leading experts, senior executives, and thought leaders, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference in November of 2023. This series is brought to you by Greystone, Bowstring Media, and Touchpoint Media. Listen in as we hear from our industry leaders on the latest innovative strategies and efforts that are shaping our space. I'm here sitting with Paul Matson from Cleveland Clinic. Paul, thanks for being here on the Live at HCIC show. Yeah, Chris, great to be with you. I finally get to sit down and do a podcast with you. Finally, yeah. finally. We, we've been threatening to do it for years, so here we are. Um, no, but I'm really excited today because you're here at HCIC, and um, you're actually part of a really great panel session I'm looking forward to be part of later on today. And it's really about the changing role of the chief marketing officer in healthcare. But before we jump into that topic, because I think it's going to be a fun topic, I'd love to. I know there, most people know you, but I would love for you to do a little bit of an introduction for people. Sure, sure. Uh, happy to do it. I'll keep it brief. Um, <laughs> I'm in. Uh, just started my 18th year at Cleveland Clinic. Yes, wow. I uh, realized I just crossed over on November 1st to year 18. Uh, I was a bit of a unique entity when I joined healthcare in that I came from outside of healthcare. What mm-hmm. Everybody would say you came from industry. I I wasn't familiar with that term, but when I came in, but I had previously worked at Delta Airlines. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I had started my career in New York in the agency business. So um, 17 years at Cleveland Clinic, I oversee marketing and communications for the enterprise, uh, which we're continuing to grow and evolve our model. So been an incredible experience. I mean, Cleveland Clinic is truly a special place in the healthcare industry because of the culture and the history of the organization, and also because of the tremendous work that goes there, of course, mm-hmm. goes on there. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's interesting. Let's start with that. Oh, you talked about how you came from outside of industry to inside industry. We hear that a lot, right? I've been in this space for well, almost as much as time as you have. Um, and it was true, right? As you come in, it's almost like a bit of a culture shock. So how did you feel coming in from outside of industry into this role as the chief marketing officer? The yeah. system. Yeah, I, I um, felt confident that my marketing and communication skills would translate. Mm-hmm. I think they translate broadly across industries. What I didn't realize was how little I knew or understood about healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I can't overstate how little I really knew and understood about healthcare. So it was a steep learning curve. The mm-hmm. best uh, gift I received when I joined was our CEO was uh, Toby Cosgrove, the legendary previous CEO of Cleveland Clinic. And he said to me, Paul, the first 90 days, I don't want you to do anything. You take 90 days, talk to all the leaders of the clinical areas, go out and visit all of our facilities, meet all of your team. At the end of 90 days, come back and tell me what you've learned mm-hmm. and some ideas on what you want to do going forward. That was a huge gift to to, to begin to understand the complexities of healthcare. I mean, the complexity of our industry and the structure, mm-hmm. I think, goes beyond anyth- anything else I'd ever worked on before. Right. But now let's flash forward, right? 18 years. And it feels like every year for me, I learn something new about this industry anyway, right? But the role of the chief marketing officer is a, has evolved significantly since even 18 years ago when you started and started to learn the industry. I, I imagine you were probably doing a lot different things then than you are now. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that journey. So, you know, there are some things I still do. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, I just wrapped up something I always do this time of year. I met with the leaders of every one of our markets and all of our clinical institutes uh, in small one-on-one meetings. I find that invaluable to build relationships Mm -hmm. and connections across the enterprise. But when you look at the work, you know, when I joined Cleveland Clinic um, 2006, uh, we had an internet department of four people. Um, I wasn't really sure if I was in charge of the internet or not. Uh, <laughs> IT was involved. We were involved. A lot of the clinical departments had their own people. Um, and we had a project to uh, basically um, uh, you know, rebuild the internet into something new, which was woefully behind and over budget. So it was an incredible journey. Um, we had four people and 15 million sessions on the website this year. This year, um, we'll have over 1.1 billion sessions. Wow. You know, we have a very advanced content marketing strategy mm-hmm. that accompanies digital. I think what makes us a bit unique is how integrated we are. Mm-hmm. And we leverage all the paid, owned, and earned channels, <laughs> but our teams work very closely together and all of our teams leverage digital. So even our corporate communications team does a lot of social media, has a digital newsroom, gets global coverage for their work. So we've evolved the organization over time to really be a digitally first organization and virtually everything do. Right. And it's really... I, we've seen that I've seen that advance over the years with the Cleveland Clinic. And I think that's really a good uh, uh, example for other health systems, right? As, as I work with other health systems to bring them digital first, it's great to kind of reflect back on some of the organizations like, like you that are integrated. Um, but, you know, I think the role of marketing is also evolving and integrating in other ways, not just digital, right? And that's one of the things you're going to be talking about. So let's explore that a little bit with you. Sure. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, it used to be marketing had a very set, this is what we do. We, we have a silo. We focus on this end. A lot of times it's acquisition, branding, and awareness, and things like that. It's not that way anymore. We're integrated across all business strategies now. We work with them. Is that, is that fair? No, totally true. <clears throat> we are still primarily responsible for the brand, mm-hmm. patient acquisition, and lead generation. Um, in our organization, all media relations, um, also... Um, all employee, what we call caregiver communications, has become a critically important part of what we do, especially with all the complexity in the world today. But we've built our own um, uh, data science team. We have our own market research team that serve the organization. We have a very strong market uh, marketing account function mm-hmm. that works with all of our markets. Um, so we support virtually every area of the business. You know, we, mm-hmm. You've talked about recruitment. Mm-hmm. That was a huge priority in the last 24 months. Mm-hmm. But we, but I was talking about the importance of caregivers. We support internal communications to build the caregiver culture. Mm-hmm. We just did a whole segmentation study on our own caregivers mm-hmm. to understand changing preferences and communication styles. Mm-hmm. You know, we've moved past the baby boomers being the largest cohort in the workforce to millennials and Gen Z, Gen X. Want to, they want to consume information very differently. So we're using that to craft our communications. We're also global. Mm-hmm. So we opened a hospital in London last year. Mm-hmm. So our team, uh, enterprise team, you know, serves the London market. We partner with our colleagues in Abu Dhabi, Florida, uh, because we are one integrated global brand. So we've done 
recruitment in the London market, for example. Wow. You know, because they have similar staffing challenges mm-hmm. to get the hospital up and running. Mm-hmm. Uh, but are building that brand uh, from the ground up in the UK. Mm-hmm. So those things are totally fun. I mean, they could be, be given a, uh, you know, just a, uh, an, a completely white space opportunity like going into mm-hmm. a new international market. Those are the things you get excited about. Yeah. And it's still grounded in the kind of the tenets or roots of what marketing communications can do, right? But it's applying these tools in different strategies, different uh, different business uh, uh, um, uh, you know goals that you're trying to accomplish. And I think that that's what's interesting about this, right? We're, we live in a world now where we have the the rooted tenets of what we need to do, mm-hmm. but we also have all these these ways in which we can understand our audiences, yeah. segment them. Tell us a little bit like that that in and of itself, I think has reinforced and elevated what Parkinson's yeah. role is. I'll stick with London for a second. Um, we were, had a, a conversation with the London team recently. We've been tracking our brand awareness of specifically for Cleveland Clinic, the brand, and Cleveland Clinic London, the facility, since before we opened. Mm-hmm. So you know, critically important. It's good d- discipline before you put something new in the market. Do you have a baseline? And we've been able to track our improvement. The interesting thing is... Um, the content marketing and digital strategies we use in the U.S. Mm-hmm. are working very well in the U.K. Now, there are li- limitations because of GDPR on mm-hmm. certain things we can do from a patient acquisition perspective. But, for example, our content marketing strategies are very successful in the U.K. And the U.K. is one of our top global markets for traffic for our health information. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those certain things are global. I've traveled around the world to uh, places like in the Middle East where people are consuming our health content. Mm -hmm. And that's incredibly gratifying when you're trying to build a brand because that's where health content can, or content in general, can be a tremendous differentiator. Mm -hmm. If it's out there, if it's successful, um, it's it's like we describe it as an annuity. You You run an ad, you run it, it's gone, build health content, it stays out, it's discoverable, right. and you can keep reaching new audiences. So we've invested quite um, quite intentionally in building health content uh, in recent years. You know, and your health content, I mean, that's one of the things is, you know, we, I think it was like maybe 10, 15 years ago, we were starting to think about this concept of content strategy, right? And, and, and knowing the implications that it has for the brand, for the reputation of your organization, for really in effect establishing credibility and authority of uh, uh, of what we do as an you know as an industry i think it's incredibly important for us and we all started to embrace content strategy again you know looking yeah. to you for examples of how to how to do that well and you know i think that content strategy has evolved over the years oh, too right yeah. i we you know through the pandemic there's all this misinformation and 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 this is a big thing that right now with social media is a big challenge having content presence to help combat misinformation on social platforms yeah. is is significant, and you're doing yeah. some work there. Well, I would say Google yeah. is keenly focused on wanting to present the most trusted health content to patients and consumers, mm-hmm. and so they continue to adapt their algorithm, mm-hmm. and it preferences content towards organizations like Cleveland Clinic, National Institutes of Health, Mayo Clinic, because we have medically vetted content and we're trusted medical brands. So mm-hmm. that's what they want their consumers to find. We had a partnership with YouTube 
where YouTube was partnering with us to create specific videos. They worked with several other health systems as well. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a great partnership. Uh, they were paying for some of the content creation to fill gaps that they identified through search. Uh, and then recently we partnered with TikTok yeah. uh, because we continue to experiment on platform. I won't even call it experiment anymore. We can continue to be present on TikTok. It reaches a a, a new generation of social media users, as does Instagram and Instagram Reels. We can use a lot of video storytelling, but they specifically wanted to focus on focus on mental health, mm. and they saw our mental health content as being valuable to their users. So they selected us as one of their two partners, and we hope to do more. So that's where content can create new sets of opportunities. That right. you know, if you had asked me five years ago, yeah. you know, would we have been on TikTok? Would we be creating content and these kinds of partnership models? I couldn't have foreseen that, honestly. Right. But it's it's really reinforcing. Again, I see there's a theme here, a current, uh, concurrent theme here. Uh, it's rooted into what the what the your, what Cleveland Clinic is trying to represent mm -hmm. from a authoritative source of healthcare information to support the entire world and being able to use that to amplify it through whatever channel it might be. Yeah. And we were just talking before we started recording about now you're kind of experimenting in the new technology that right. everyone's talking about. You want to share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I was you're joking around with Chris that last year, uh, oh, probably around December, OpenAI revealed ChatGPT to the world. And it was, you know, became quite an event. Everybody was talking about ChatGPT and generative AI. Every earnings announcement, it was how often could someone mention ChatGPT in, uh -huh. in their in their presentation? <laughs> and we got a lot of inquiry from our leadership, what was marketing going to do? There's a lot of work that's going on across the clinical enterprise as well. And, and we've been involved in the development of policies and how um, AI should be used and used appropriately. But beyond that, we wanted to go through a structured process for marketing, not just pick one-off mm -hmm. solutions, but uh, we hired a partner um, we brought our whole marketing communications division in and gave everybody an overview of AI. Mm -hmm. And that was to really demystify it mm -hmm. to try to take any fears out of the process. Mm -hmm. Then we broke up over time into teams to develop what could the use cases be. Mm -hmm. And we've zeroed in on five work cases, use cases now, and we've selected technologies for those use cases and we're beginning to implement Mm -hmm. the early phases of the pilot. And then the goal will be to measure how does it impact our content creation? Does it make us more effective? Mm -hmm. And can we become more efficient over time as well? Right. And, you know, we're working on writing efficiency, competitive analysis, analysis, content performance and data analysis, mm -hmm. social media efficiencies, right. creating content, headlines, so forth. And then podcasting efficiency, including yeah. editing podcasts. You may use AI to edit your podcasts. I don't know. But these <laughs> tools are here. Yeah, they're, they are. They're incredibly powerful. Yeah. And in particular, in my case, I use AI to transcribe podcasts. Exactly. And that's like a, a great value add, right? Whereas before you would invest that in in people time. Right. Now you can very quickly just yeah. transcribe. I mean, it's really not a great use of a human being's time right. effort to do transcription when and of course, now we have Microsoft uh, uh, 365. Yeah, you can have it transcribe your your Teams meeting right. in real time. You know, right. so you know those are things people have to get comfortable with. Yeah, but they can be very valuable 
tools, especially, you know, from a workforce perspective, keeping people connected mm -hmm. in a virtual environment, having mm -hmm. tools like trans transcription, which yeah, it's, you can record the meetings, but it's another great tool if people want that material. So, right. So we're excited. We think we've, we were on the right track. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we'll, we have, we're planning a six month mm -hmm. pilot mm -hmm. and then we'll evaluate yeah. and then, you know, possibly then, you know, make it a full-time long-term investment. You know, what you're describing is like sort of a framework about how you approach any kind of new uh, uh, approach or new st the strategy that you're trying to introduce in marketing communication, but it's still rooted in understanding what the objective is, understanding what the new tool or technology is, or the new, whatever that strategy may be, developing success measurements, measuring against it, piloting it, testing it, iterating, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of discipline is really important. And now I'm going to take a little bit of a turn because yeah. we also were talking about how, you know, healthcare marketing right now and, and CMOs across the country are faced with some unprecedented challenges right now. And I, I believe a little bit of that discipline that you're, you're describing, that framework around how do we approach it, can help you be a little bit more resilient through even the, yes. the, yeah. the low times. I want to share a little bit about your thoughts. I, I think uh, you said the key word there, which is resiliency. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if you work long enough, you're going to have uh, up times when the organization is thriving, there's investable dollars, yeah. and you're going to have down times. Uh, I worked through a Chapter 11 bankruptcy after 9-11 when I worked in the airline industry. So, you know, those are some tough, dark days. Uh, but as a leader, you've got to help your team be resilient and work through it. And you've got to have the discipline not to get overly emotional about it, but to really uh, take a, a smart uh, uh, approach to how you're going to manage resources. And that's how we think about it. And so we, we spent a lot of time as a leadership team in marketing and communications at the clinic prioritizing our work. And we plan all together in my leadership team. It's, a, it's an integrated process. We select our uh, objectives and key measurements together every year. We do a set of uh, enterprise priority projects every year that we expect everybody will contribute to. And then we prioritize the dollars and it's, you know, it can be, those can be tough conversations. You know, we had to take dollars out this year. I think most people for 2024, most people are having to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I would go back to what we were talking about earlier, you have to maintain your communications. You yeah. can't go into a, a shell or protective crouch. You still have to engage with executive leadership. You still have to engage with clinical leadership, shared services, and be transparent. Let them know what your dollars are being invested in. Mm -hmm. Let them know what things are not going to be invested in mm -hmm. so that everybody understands where, where the tough calls are being made. And I think that enables resiliency, that, that level of discipline and that level of transparency will help teams get through these kinds of situations. Right. And it, and, and it, and it comes back to our original, you know, the topic that we're talking about is that this role as the chief communications, the chief marketing communications officer uh, has a lot of responsibility and a lot of influence and with great power comes great responsibility, right? As, as you know, Peter Parker's aunt would say, right? Yeah. Um, is that you want, right. you need to be able to, to, uh, share what you're doing and be transparent and and that really shows how the role of the CMO has changed. So, yeah. you know, it's almost like every year you reinvent yourself as a chief marketing officer, but you're, you're kind of building on what you've yeah. learned. And so, you know, I think back to your, you know, when you started 18 years ago, it's, it's con constantly learning and growing. Totally. Right? You have to, you have to constantly embrace new technology. You have to, you have to understand and, and 
manage through the change that's happening in the industry. And, um, and you know, you, 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 know, you have to encourage your organization to adapt for many years. When I first joined the healthcare industry, I was taken aback by how paper intensive it was and how much we produced. And they were beautiful, glossy publications and they cost a tremendous amount of money, but they didn't reach a huge number of people. And we certainly had no data on how many people were reading it. And, and we evolved to a mantra of, we need to think first digital, then mobile, and then measurable. Mm-hmm. We knew we weren't going to eliminate, we weren't striving to eliminate paper entirely. Mm-hmm. And at first there was a lot of resistance from our clinical partners, but our CEO got on board. Mm-hmm. And um, you know we moved to a completely digital annual report, for example. So all of a sudden you're setting a pathway to show everybody there's a different way to, to do these things. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I would say, I, I, I remember when we started social media and, and where it now can look back at where it is now, um, content strategy and where it is now. And I look at AI and I, all I see is opportunity. Yeah. I don't see a threat. I mean, I know it could displace some traditional roles, but, but it also could change and enhance the way we deliver our work. And I think that's the spirit in which anybody who's in a leadership position should embrace it. Man, well, that's, that's such great words. Paul, thank you so thanks. much for your time. Great to get to a great conversation. Finally get to the to finally podcast. Get it. Oh, we covered a lot today. <laughs> so no, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks so much for uh, coming on and sharing your, your expertise. Thanks, Chris. Yes. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for watching live from HCIC 2023. We hope these insights have sparked new ideas and conversations. A special thanks to the industry experts featured on our show and to Greystone, Bowstring Media, and Touchpoint Media for making these discussions available. For more episodes and exclusive content, please visit graystone.net, touchpoint.health, or subscribe through your favorite podcast listening platform. If you want to be part of more conversations like this one, please make sure to attend the Healthcare Internet Conference in Austin, Texas. You can find more details at hcic.net.